Hallelujah, 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 Hallelujah. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets. In these last days, he has spoken to us through the Son. Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. John. John was standing with two of his disciples, and as he watched Jesus walk by, he said to them, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard what he said and followed Jesus. Jesus then turned and saw them following him and said to them, what are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which is translated, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come, you will see. So they went and they saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day. Now it was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter, was one of the two who had heard John and followed Jesus. He found first his own brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated Christ. Then he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The Gospel of the Lord. When Southwest had that big mess a couple weeks ago, I... uh, had a great deal of empathy for the people that lost their luggage. See, I don't know, 12, 13 years ago, right after I was ordained, I was ordained in St. Louis. I had my first mass the next day. I had kind of a week farewell tour or something, made my way back up here to Des Moines, had mass at St. Teresa, my home parish, and then that week moved to Italy. Thing is, when you move to another country, um, you got to bring a lot of stuff with you. And especially when you're going to that other study, like to get a doctorate, so you gotta bring a lot of books with you. And that's a pain when it's on the other side of the world. So you ship what you can, but that's real expensive. So what you do is you bring stuff in luggage and you pay the overage fee on the luggage because it's a lot cheaper than shipping it through the post. Well, we got to the airport and uh, my dad was helping see me off and we got to the, you know, the luggage check thing and I had two full-size suitcases that I was trying to bring with me full of books to, to, to take because it only costs 50 bucks to ship that way and it would be like 200 to ship through the post. And the poor guy behind the luggage counter was like, sure, Father, I couldn't let you do that. No, you're overweight. No, look, please, I just, I just want this stuff to... No, no, I could... If you, if, if you repack... So I'm on the floor of the airport and my underwear is all over and there's, it was terrible and embarrassing and, 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 and we got it, but I had to check everything except my carry-on in order to make this work. And my carry-on was just a laptop bag and they lost everything. And when I say they lost everything, I mean I lived in a single black cassock and one pair of underpants and one t-shirt for two weeks. And yet, that trip to Italy was not as bad as Mother Seton's. (laughs) Because 
When poor Lizzie Seton and her husband, who suffered from tuberculosis, moved to Italy for the summer in order to give his lungs some relief, they had no idea he was going to die. They thought they were going on a kind of extended holiday. He'd had a bad year in business. They were somewhat running out of money, but they had friends with a place. You guys have friends with a place, right? So it would be like going to the lake. And then he dies. And poor Lizzie is stuck in Italy with a family she does not know, who do, who do not speak English, and she does not speak Italian, and she's Protestant, and they're Catholic, and what do you do? Well, they did the only thing they could do. They just loved the living daylights out of her. Now, I had a hard enough time, like, I don't know, losing a credit card when I was overseas or losing luggage. I have no idea how you write for help from the other side of the world in 1804. I, can't, I cannot imagine what this had to be like. But so she, with, I think, five of the kids or something, there were 11 kids at one point, but they weren't all theirs. But she and a whole raft of kids, stuck in Italy, no money, relying entirely on the charity of these strangers. And she had been raised a devout Episcopalian. Like, she was a serious Protestant. And, and her mother was very into sort of Protestant St. Vincent de Paul or whatever, and the, the Society for Widows and Orphans or some goofy name like this. And, and so, like, this was not unfamiliar territory for her, but she never had to be on the receiving end. And she discovered two things about this. The first one was she realized that it can be very embarrassing, very disheartening, very dehumanizing to have to receive other people's charity. She'd only ever given stuff. She'd never really received. Or if she had, she'd received the way most of us just did at Christmas, but not out of real need. And she, and she realized that, that the way she had offered charity in the past was insufficient because it hadn't attended to the dignity of the people she was trying to help. She hadn't harmed them on purpose. She just was inadequate. The other thing she realized was these Catholics meant it. Like she could see it in living color. She'd been raised with very anti-Catholic sentiments. I mean, this was before Catholics were allowed to vote in this country, right? So, so she had no reason to think anything very good about us. And yet, nobody held any of that against her. This poor broke widow stuck on the wrong side of the world with a whole raft of kids. They just took care of her. And they didn't ask any questions. And so it was no surprise to the Italians that took care of her that as soon as she got back to the States, she has to be received into the Catholic Church. It was a bit of a surprise for her Protestant minister, but it was not so much of a surprise for the Italians who'd really reared her in the faith with no common language between them. Mother Seton goes on, ultimately, to found a religious community and ultimately to establish what becomes our parochial school system. We have a Catholic school here at Christ the King, ultimately because of Mother Seton. Ultimately because of some poor Italian family. I'm sure somebody knows what their name is, but I don't. That just were kind to a widow and her kids. I think, I think we should uh, not only take heart, that at least sometimes we get it right, though that probably is useful on some days. 
I think we should look to this example of Mother Seton and, and, and see two important things, lessons parallel to our own. The first one is, um, we don't always get it right in our charity either. It is entirely possible to be very kind and generous and, 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 and like Christian motivated and sort of smothering and awful. It, it, it is possible for us to muck this up unintentionally. And that means we have to be constantly open to reform, constantly open to conversion. And the second piece, of course, is uh, we need to be willing to put our money where our mouth is. When we see where those bits of us are still unfinished, we have to be brave and bold in our willingness to turn, to turn our lives around and to be changed. Andrew, not a bad guy. He was actually the religious brother. That's why he and his buddy were following around John the Baptist. Simon couldn't be bothered to do that. He was out man in the boat. But, but Andrew, he was already serious about his religious duty. And I, I don't know, I, I'm projecting here, but in my family, when the youngest one came home with a newfangled idea, you were not allowed to take it seriously. <laughs> it was against the rules, right? And so, and, and so I can only imagine that when Andrew came home this time and said, oh, we found him, we found him, we found him. He'd done that 17 times before, so there was no reason to really take him seriously. But Peter, trying to be generous and patronize the little brother so he'd shut up, went to sea. And it changed everything. Andrew was incomplete, willing to change. Peter was incomplete, didn't realize it, got smacked upside the head, and even he, even he had to be open to the conversion as well. So the question for us tonight, we who would profess to be following the Lamb of God wherever he goes, is what's still incomplete? What's the part of me that's still broke, needs fixing? And might that come from the most unlikely of sources, the strangest of my neighbors? Might that even come if we can't speak a common language between us.